Welcome to Seniors and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie. I'm Binky. And I'm Wendy. Well, ladies, we had a wonderful podcast last week. Let's talk a little bit about that. We had a guest speaker. His name is Bill. And we talked about sister living. His particular sister, sister living is called Paradise Assisted Living and also Shangri-La. He's the executive director. He did a phenomenal job. He just gave us insight into how assisted living run. What do you guys think? I think he was wonderful. He bring a lot of information regarding assistant living that people are looking, what to look in it, you know, what is fall points that people sells on it, what they need to look at when they looking assistant living for their loved one. Especially I understand the concept of financial understand like level one, two, three, which is I love what he said about it. But as he also mentioned that some of assistant living has eight level. In my opinion and my thinking is level one, two, three make more sense to me. So he did focus on that. And I really love that aspect of his podcast. Yeah. And operationally, he spoke about the way that he manages is out of the box. And we don't see that. We don't experience that a lot. Yeah, you could tell it wasn't just a job for him. He really cared about his place's reputation and the people inside his facilities, which was really nice to see. You could just tell it just it just sang out when he talked. And I agree with Wendy. That exactly feel like it. So where are we headed today, guys? Today we're bringing to you our eighth episode of our podcast. And we're going to switch up a bit. We're going to switch our theme up a bit and focus on a topic that any senior over the age of 55 may have an interest in. And that is the topic of volunteering. Now, I have had several volunteer experiences throughout my life. And I must say that volunteering for me has been very rewarding and very gratifying. One of my most rewarding volunteer experiences was when I became a big sister in the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program. Have you all have any familiarity with that program? My husband had a big brother and it made okay. a big difference in his life. He grew up in poverty in Baltimore City and he talks about that a lot. Okay. Yeah. My little sister, she actually went to my wedding. And so, you know, that was a time ago. She was from a, an area in Baltimore City. I think I may have been her big sister until the time that she graduated from high school, went on to do some things. And believe it or not, I was voted Big Sister of the Year for Baltimore City. That's amazing. What year was that? And I still have the plaque. I think that was in the 1980s or something like something that. Something I did not know, Cookie. That's amazing. <laughs> And something else you did not know in terms of the senior arena, I was a what's called a friendly visitor for the Department of Social Services. And I had a female in her late 80s and 90s that I would go and visit with and sit with, just a companion kind of a thing. That was very enriching and gratifying. She didn't say a lot to a lot of people, but when I came around, she would smile and we would do things together, just talk and talk about her family. And it was it was very rewarding. I didn't have that kind of experience because I'm born in a different country. But working in a facility, I feel revolving when you do anything about your regular job, saying that on my unit, when somebody Indian as a client come in, 
I always feel like that I'm connected to them. So I usually go and talk to them. And one client I had that he loves Indian tea. And there is no way hospital will provide Indian tea. So I used to bring tea every morning when I come to work, whole big of pot so he can drink throughout the day because we are nature of drinking tea all day long. Recently, I had experience with uh, one family son brought his father, which has a uh, stroke and he was visiting, father was visiting from India to sons and his wife. It was some situation because son has to work. They are talking English, but limited English. After work, I go talk to them, you know, give them a comfort provide some Indian culture food for them so that her son doesn't have to bring every day, give him a break. And I feel that was very fulfilled for me to provide that kind of support to the family. Love it. And believe it or not, my last volunteer experience related to the field I'm in, I'm sure our guest speaker, after we introduce her, she may expound on it. But I was a volunteer for the long-term care ombudsman program for Baltimore City. That in and of itself was very interesting. When I would walk in the building, I would get side-eyed by some of the staff because they thought I would be coming. Of course, yes. <laughs> to report them or whatever. That was great too. So what about you, Wendy? I haven't been a volunteer. I mean, I've certainly like went out of my scope as a nurse and done lots of extra things for patients and families. I seem to get everybody's pets. So I have rehomed many pets in the long-term care arena. They just, it's just a magnet in my life that I get a lot of pets. But I think volunteers are integral in long-term care and hospice. I am really excited to hear what our guest has to say about this because volunteers are just the, the glue that kind of holds it all together, in my opinion. I agree. Well, tonight we will have another guest speaker discussing a wonderful program through the Baltimore County Office on Aging called the Retired and Senior Volunteer Program. Before we start, however, we have a disclaimer. But first, our weekly disclaimer is that we are not physician or lawyer, or if you have a medical issue or legal issue, please speak to practitioner or lawyer to give you professional advice. Today, our guest speaker is Alison Vaughrin. She will tell us a little bit about herself and the program that she will be discussing tonight. Thank you, Pinky. So yes, I'm Allison Vogren. As Cookie mentioned, I work with the Baltimore County Department of Aging. I've been in the role there for six years, but have over 15 years of volunteer management experience. And like Wendy was just saying, how volunteers are integral in the healthcare setting. I previously worked in the hospice realm. Volunteers in that world are considered to have the same weight Absolutely. as staff. Because they're part of that interdisciplinary team, just another person who is looking out for the patient that's being served. So thank you, yeah. Wendy, for that work that you've done there. I work now with the program called the Retired and Senior Volunteer Program, as Cookie mentioned, RSVP for short. Some of you may have heard it. It's a federal program. It's a grant program that's nationwide. And it's actually been around since 1971. Um, although a lot of people I talked to haven't heard of it, and they say it's like the best kept secret, because we're all about connecting people who are 55 and over with meaningful ways to serve in their communities. In our region, the Delaware, Maryland area, our RSVP of Baltimore County program is one of the largest. We currently have about 600 reg registered volunteers. Now, 
I have to give a disclaimer because we were much higher than that. Um, since we've since prior to the pandemic, we had higher numbers, but since then, we've only had about 60% of our volunteers return. Um, and many volunteers have said it's because they found other things to do in the, in the interim. Some have just aged out. Some have are still fearful. Yeah. So, and I know a lot of nonprofits and organizations across the board are dealing with that as well. So that's why I appreciate this time tonight to promote our program because we have a number of nonprofits who are desperately looking for volunteers. And as you said, they are integral to everything, the daily operation of these organizations. So back to RSVP, we are, as I mentioned, nationwide, there's more than 300,000 volunteers. Just because we're local to Baltimore County, and that means I'm placing volunteers specifically in our county. They don't have to live in the county. But if anybody on the on this podcast tonight wanted to go on to americorps.gov, that's our federal sponsor. They have listings of all of the different programs throughout the country. So it doesn't have to be just ours. In our program in Baltimore County, we have about 31 agencies that range in services and people that they provide resources for. And part of what our focus is, is we meet with individuals who've expressed interest in volunteering. And we sit down and talk about what their experiences are, what their skills are, and just their general interests. And we try and match them with one of those registered partners. Some people have called us like a non-paid headhunter. (laughs) And in some capacity, we are like that. For people who don't know where to start with volunteering. Sometimes you have people who've never volunteered and this is their first experience. So we're there to help walk them through that. We make the connection with the agency, do the follow-up. We're there to make sure that they have a, a rewarding and satisfying experience with their volunteer work. So just to give you an idea of some of our agency partners, like I said, they vary from working with kids to older adults, to being outside, to being doing clerical work. To give you some specifics, this past year, AARP tax aid volunteers completed more than 2,300 federal and state tax oh. returns. And this is an important service in the community, not just in the county, because for many people, the savings and having going and getting them prepared otherwise is it's huge. And for some people, it's a matter of do I pay for my prescriptions or do I pay to have my taxes prepared? So they will be returning this year for 2023. Their the tax season will start in February. Solely That's amazing. Run. It's something you yes. don't even think about, but it has to be so critical. Exactly. And just to give you an idea of the commitment, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. It's not just, okay, start a tax season, volunteer start. Volunteers have been preparing, and some of them since September, just to gear up for this. And many of them have already done 100 hours just in the preparation. And we're not even talking about the February through April when they're doing several days a week. Dedication, for sure, with this group, hardcore group of volunteers. This past year, over the summer, we had nearly 70 volunteers who provided home repairs and modifications at 20 work sites across the county. They were doing these for low-income individuals who otherwise couldn't afford to have a ramp built out front of their house or to have the fence painted or repaired. Volunteers of all skill levels and all ages were actually invited to. 
and I've participated the past couple of years. So that's been very rewarding for me. I know the first year I participated and I disclaimer have no skill in whatsoever in this area. The first year I used a power saw, which I had never done in my life. And I said to the, um, the leader that I was not going to touch that thing. And then by the end of the day, they said they couldn't keep me off of the power saw. Every time someone needed something cut, I was doing it. So it was for me beneficial because I learned a new skill. At the end, we were building this ramp. There was a man, who, it was the residence. It was an older man who lived with his family, but he had not been out of the house for a couple of years just because he could not get down the stairs. So for him, we got to watch as the family pushed him out on a wheel. He was in a wheelchair and the family escorted him down the ramp and we were all there waiting and clapping oh, for him. And that was a big oh, moment. Little things Can you like imagine that. not seeing outside for years. No. I mean, that's just crazy. No. Exactly. And something so small to be a part of that. I joke, I'm like, I put that nail there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I contributed nail here and there, but overall working together to see that final product and to see the smile on his face and for the family, it was all worth it. That's with the Baltimore County Christian Work Camp. Cookie, you had mentioned a couple of things. I know you said the Friendly Visitor Program mm -hmm. with the Social Department of Social Services. We have an in-house program with um, the Baltimore County Department of Aging mm -hmm. Home Team. And they are assigning volunteers to go in and visit with homebound, isolated, older adults. Mm -hmm. And these are individuals who are really shut off from society. So having a weekly visitor is a lifeline nice. for them. Those visits can extend to playing games, to doing little activities together. It could be creative, like the volunteer and the client can think of how they want to spend their time. I actually shadowed a male volunteer who was out on an assignment and he would go every week with the client. They didn't talk. Mm -hmm. They watched uh, old Western movies oh. together, but that was their bonding. Right. And that was important to them. It didn't, it didn't need to be over conversation. Yeah. It was just that time having someone sitting yep, next to exactly. you. And mentioning that had gotten to the point where the family was comfortable with me going with my um, senior lady on doctor visits. I wouldn't you know, have any say in mm -hmm. terms of her care, but it was just the idea that I would be there with her. I enjoyed that immensely. And as you stated, we changed up different kinds of activities, whatever I could do. Sometimes I would just brush her hair. You know, this very, mm -hmm. I was there until she passed away. So I was her friendly visitor for a few years. And we've even had, in talking with the home team director, there have been times where the volunteer, when the client did pass away, the volunteer was, you know, at the memorial and got, exactly. was given a chance to get up and say yes. something. And, and that just showed the importance that the volunteer played yeah. in that, in that client's life. And then you would also mention the long-term care ombudsman oh, program, yeah. very critical program in society. So, yes. I mean, these are volunteers that are going through extensive training to go into long-term care and assisted living facilities to be the voice of the residents there and the patients there and to advocate for them and to also educate their families on their rights. I've actually shadowed one of the volunteers who, who, does that she's assigned to a particular facility she'd make her rounds just through the rooms mm -hmm. just to make sure everybody's concerns were addressed and there were a couple of things that hadn't been addressed since the week she was there prior so she follows up with the management team there to make sure that clients voice is heard and if there's resident councils there she's meeting with them 
educating them of their rights. And I'm sure, Cookie, you can expand on that too, because I've not actually gone through the training to know all that's involved. I know it's a long process and we have several volunteers um, right now who are in that process of getting trained. Yeah, it's definitely a long process and it's not anything to be taken lightly. I mean, you have to be really committed and really serious. I was a long-term care ombudsman volunteer before I actually started working in the arena. And then at that, that time, you didn't see the kinds of um, nursing skilled nursing facilities that we have today. Many of them were the nursing homes, per se. You know, just the buildings where, at that time, I think state regulations were not as stringent as they are now. So you would go into a home that was supposed to be looking out for seniors, and you walked in the place, and the place would be smelling of urine. And, you know, I had to document whatever I saw. And then I had to have time to meet individually with um, various residents. And that didn't go well, but I did. I reported back to, as you stated, my supervisor of that particular, they would have maybe five or six different homes where they sent ombudsmen to. And we did get small stipend for transportation, you know, for our time in that regard. And I guess I just must have loved the industry because now I'm pretty much in it. Wasn't in it at, at that time in terms of employment. Oh, you're in I it. Just, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I'm very much in it now, but yeah. You just but you and you bring up a good point because volunteering can shape career paths yes. that people may have never otherwise considered or been exposed exactly. to. And you know, I know speaking from on for myself, volunteerism has always been a, a part of my life. It then became the direction I moved in mm-hmm. to become a volunteer manager because I was just so passionate about serving that I wanted to be able to, to enable others and engage others to do the same. That's a very good and point And it's not there. just for the people that you're volunteering for. You don't realize it's for yourself as well. I mean, it's, it's what you get in terms of feeling gratified. I mean, I'm a person who believes that we all have a purpose in life. We're here for something. There's something for us to do. And sometimes we we may have to go to maybe three different kinds of experiences before we have that aha moment. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm meant to do. You're feeling very gratified and you feel happy about what you're doing. When you're in an arena, whether you're in corporate America, if you're an attorney, doctor, sometimes you get burnt out. And so you're looking for something that gives you some passion, gives you some direction, gives you, as I stated, a purpose. And that's what volunteering has done for me. Very nice. And there's no limit to that. There's over a million nonprofit organizations in the U.S. alone that rely on volunteers for their operations. There's certainly a number of causes. And then that's not even delving into the virtual, I mean, yeah, the remote opportunities that you can do Mm. worldwide. Can you expound on that in terms of, yeah. Yes. The program I'm in, we don't do any virtual volunteering per Mm -hmm. se, but there are opportunities where you can write letters on the behalf of people who are in prisons all around the Mm -hmm. world, you know, as a, to appeal for their freedom. Uh, I've seen like the Smithsonian needs people to do archiving and you can do it all from your computer. There's different websites out there that you can look on. And then there's the whole volunteerism. We have a we have an RSVP volunteer who on her own time, separate from our program, has gone on, I believe, over 30 trips around the world. Ooh. And 
She's gone to save the leatherback sea turtles and somewhere in South America. She's gone over to Thailand to teach the native folks there how to, like she said, was saving the scrap soaps to make larger bars of soap. So she's done my teaching in Africa with microfinancing oh for the women there. So there's a lot of opportunity just in that. Of course, that's something there's a larger investment of funds for the volunteer up front sure. for that. And it, you don't have to do something like that. If you want to stay local, there's lots of opportunities mm-hmm. here. I remember now that one of my friends, she's a physician. We go like so far, we have gone to three to four medical camp voluntary, which is the literally just volunteer. They do provide, it's like three days program. So you go in the morning and until evening and they provide all medical necessity, normal medical checkup, eye checkup, dental sometime x-ray, MRI, all that in certain arena, they have a ground fill up and the portable machine and all that. And that's very nice experience. But believe it or not, people line up for this kind of free volunteer medical camp from night before. If it's Medicare camp open around nine in the morning, people line up at midnight to get in online because it's free of like medical, the dental is the highest need because dental costs so much. You would see the line. And when we go volunteer nine in the morning, we are chill. So think about people lining up on a car by car on a midnight to get in because, you know, they have to give the ticket to how many, like it's a volunteer work. So if they have a 250 hearing aid, that's all they can give it out. And depend on how many dentists are there, that's the way they give a coupon because all are volunteer, all physician, dentist, everybody volunteer. And that is was very fulfilled for me. I went to three camps. Not one was here, Washington, two on the North Carolina side. It is wonderful, but this COVID took the turn and topped that. I hopefully will start soon. I remember Pinky telling me about those volunteer experiences, the three of them that she discussed, and I was always so interested. And she would tell me how they would start early in the morning and she would be volunteering till like seven, eight or nine in the evening and not stopping to eat or only eating dips or something in the interim. But she was always so Actually, I told her I really wanted to go the next time she went. I wanted to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to be. There is a lot of different things. Like mainly was medical comes. So I'm a nurse. So I go on nurse kind of it. But there is a volunteer work. Give them a registering computer. Stuff like that. So you were amazed how many people volunteer. It was first time I went. My mouth stay open. It's like, wow. (laughs) That many people, and it's all professional too, like dentists, uh, ophthalmologists, and all those people. And they just volunteer, no pay, nothing. So that was amazing experience and amazing service in the United States that people think to helping each other this way. And that reinstills your faith in humanity when you see and hear of moments like that. Because sometimes in the day-to-day we can all get caught up in just ourselves or our own, our own little world. So when you say something where there's skill-based professional people who are going out and offering these services for free, when they could be making money for it here, mm-hmm. it's very heartwarming to hear that. 
back to with the RSVP program, we're all domestic. Again, I'm solely focused in Baltimore County, but that doesn't mean that if somebody wanted to explore other opportunities, we wouldn't, we would help them, of course, with looking into that. The opportunities we have really does run the gamut. I mean, just to name another one, we have Hereford Food Pantry up in the Northern Baltimore That's County near me. area. I live out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Amazingly, they operate out of a mm-hmm. um, small trailer. And this past year, not including this month, they've delivered or distributed more than 42,000 wow. pounds of food to people in need in the area. And it's a husband and wife team that are the, they solely kind of operate that program with the help of volunteers that do the distribution, but they're going out and doing the collection of food from the different grocery stores, seeking donations from people in the community, full-time job. They're easily doing about a wow. hundred hours a month in just running this program and keeping it operational. Two people plus a small team in a small trailer and they're having monumental impacts in the the community there. We have volunteers who are in the public school classrooms, assisting the teachers to provide one-on-one assistance or small group assistance to students, especially those that are maybe struggling and lagging behind. They're giving them that little bit of extra attention that a teacher can't when she's focused on a classroom. There's just so many opportunities. And like I said, even if we can't, if there's not something within our network, we'd be more than happy to connect um, somebody with something outside of it. And then, of course, this is a formal volunteer program. Pinky, you had alluded to before, and Wendy, you did as well, that the work you did was an extension of your job, but like went above and beyond. That's a, discuss- that's a whole nother realm of people doing volunteer work, but it's not even counted anywhere or considered volunteerism necessarily or reported anywhere. Like in our program with RSVP, we're documenting the volunteer hours because they ultimately will go to our funder, AmeriCorps, who then shares that information with Congress so that they can see here's what people 55 and over in the community are doing and here's the impacts. So that's just stuff we're tracking, but there's a lot of people who do volunteer work without even knowing it's considering it volunteerism because it's just something naturally they do um, that isn't even yeah that's that's true because I have a cousin here he has a local small grocer uh, like a sandwich shop and little in OL Avenue on Ellicott City he's at maybe 72 years old but he's healthy and what he does is neighborhood uh, seniors bring lists to him what they want, like grocery list. And then he has a two days that he goes grocery shopping for them and deliver their grocery. And that's beyond, it's just the voluntary because he feel like that he owns the Ellicott City, his time and uh, volunteer work. But I can see in winter coming up, he's so busy. Instead of going twice a week, he's probably going three, four times because the people cannot get out of the house. Yeah. So yeah. then he's able to deliver the food or they call on the phone and say, oh, Jay, I need this, this, this. And he will write the list and he goes through Giant and pick the stuff up. That is something, as you say, it's not volunteer, but one way it's a voluntary work to helping his senior in his community. I think what I've experienced is I've gone into homes as a hospice nurse. The people doing the caregiving are, it's a lot of times it's part of a church community. There's a really heavy church presence in Baltimore City, and that was the area that I worked in. I've just met some amazing people that spend the majority of their time caregiving for the elderly 
constituents that don't have anybody else and they'll just go one after the another and you know they might have four or five people that they're taking care of every day and i think like you said it really does in sometimes what could be considered bleak times with everything that we've been through these last couple of years it really does give me hope and faith in humanity that you see people giving so selflessly of themselves and taking care of people that you know aren't related to them by blood but that there's a need there and that they have it in their heart to do so Winnie, you are the indigent person of hospice in Maryland. So, voluntary arky in the hospice world. Can you tell some about that? How that works? Sure, I can. I can talk about the role that volunteers are in hospice. It's. I think it's pretty novel, and maybe Allison, maybe you know of other fields that are like this. But in hospice, at least in Maryland, the Centers for Medicare Services requires the use of volunteers for hospice programs. That are Medicare certified. As a hospice, you have to maintain, document, and provide volunteer orientation and training that's consistent with all of our other employees. Volunteers must be used in day to day administration and direct patient care roles. The hospice must document and demonstrate viable and ongoing efforts to recruit and retain volunteers, and they must document the cost savings achieved through the use of volunteers. Like currently, I believe that we have to have 5% of the total patient 5%. care hours of all paid hospice employees and contract staff. And this is a story that I often tell at work. I had somebody that I worked with when I first started working with hospice. I saw her every day. She was administrative staff. She helped us with our safety reporting and things like that. And I think I was there for a full year before I realized that she was a volunteer. She was there as often as I was. I, I was just blown away by that. And she's still there. She's still, she's still doing amazing work. And again, just an amazing person that has dedicated her entire life to volunteering for hospice. I'm shamed in comparison. This is my chosen career field and I get paid well to do it. It's just amazing to me. But Wendy, I have no doubt when you re retire, <laughs> whenever that may be, that you'll probably be one yes. of those volunteers that's there, you know, and, and the staff mm -hmm. there will be amazed at what you're doing and giving back. And, and, you know, with the hospice work, as you touched on, I mean, these are volunteers that are leading support groups after, you know, a patient has died and they are in the yep. going into homes and offering respite for the caregivers, going into the facilities and doing visits. They are sitting with people who are actively dying who yep. may not have anyone with them. They go in and hand. sing. They do acupuncture and massage. Yeah. I mean, I've just had some amazing experiences. There's an entire group of veterans that will do pinning ceremonies for our veteran patients that choose to do that. And don't go without a box of Kleenexes because it's an amazing experience to see those pinning ceremonies. And it means so much to everybody in the room. It's really fulfilling. And we're partnered with Gilcrest Hospice. We have volunteers who are even they have a partnership in Tanzania. So we have volunteers who are on the fundraising committee to help, um, you know, the, raise the funds to purchase medical supplies to pay for the staffing over in Tanzania for this whole hospice program that's been developed. Yes, because they of do amazing rest. work. So, 
When you yes. talk about the program, volunteer program, where people actually go out of the country and do some unique things, that's me. You're giving me, you're giving me my volunteering job later in life. So where are we going, Cookie? We're going to go and see those turtles, those sea turtles. <laughs> <laughs> This volunteer who's done, like I said, over 30 of them. So she's in her oh 80s and the only continent she hadn't been to was mm. Antarctica. So she went out on her own like a year ago and went to Antarctica what? and she did a polar bear, like not, a, but she did a plunge what? in. I hope she's whatever, writing her biography. Somebody's taking scene. notes. Yes. She yes, amazing story. We did our we nominated her for the Maryland Senior Citizens Hall of Fame one year because I just I was blown away that she's done all this traveling and and has experienced the world and just to hear her and see her she lights up when she talks about it. I'm amazed because I don't know that I want to travel necessarily by myself to a, another to a foreign place. And here she is no in her eighties and mm-hmm. just doing no it. Fear. No hey, fear. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and not everybody, I know, not, I know that's not everyone's right. cup of tea. So I'm not saying we have to do, we have to go that way, but I did want to circle back though, C- Cookie, you had mentioned how gratifying volunteerism is. And often it's this phenomenon, a phenomenon of doing good for others does good for you. And so many people will say that they feel they right. get more out of the volunteer experience than what they're providing exactly. to the other person. So that means that you're not only impacting the community, but you're also impacting Mm -hmm. yourself as well. And so many people don't even reflect on that. There's like a lot of physical, mental, and emotional benefits with volunteerism. There was a study done by the National Institute of Health, and they found that people who volunteer 100 hours a year have decreased mortality rates, decreased loneliness, increased optimism, and along with a host of other benefits. And when you break that down, that's only two hours a week. So um, if you can find two hours in a week to just do something good for others in the long term, you're helping yourself. And I wanted to delve into these benefits further because, you know, if you look at it with, in terms of the physical benefits, volunteering gets you up and moving, maybe not even just the activity itself. We have volunteers who are out doing tree planting, stream cleanups. So obviously that's very physical work, but the fact that you have Mm -hmm. somewhere to go that day. So you have to get up out of bed and move and get yourself there. And this increased physical activity reduces muscle mass loss, decreases blood pressure, decreases joint stiffness. And there was a study done by Carnegie Mellon that found if you volunteer 200 hours a year, you're 40% less likely to develop hypertension, which is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and stroke. Yeah. And a lot of people will tell you that when they're volunteering, they tend to forget any ailments that they may have had or how they're feeling because you're mm-hmm. focused on something else and you're redirecting that energy. And 76% of adults report that volunteering makes them feel physically healthier. So when you're feeling healthier, you're going to think you're healthier. It's just all around a win-win for you there. And then with the mental benefit, we had touched on this earlier, volunteering provides you with a sense of purpose. And this is a particularly important for people who are going through some major life transitions exactly. as they get older, widowhood, retirement, 
We've had a lot of volunteers come to us who've just recently retired. They were tired of sitting around and didn't have a plan of what they wanted to do. So they come to us. Or we had one volunteer who, beyond her will, she was let go from her position. And that was really hard for her because she was not Mm -hmm. ready to retire. So to have an abrupt end in her routine, she struggled with that. So by connecting with her, she wrote me a letter afterwards to say that we were Mm -hmm. a lifesaver for her because we connected with her and she, and she found her purpose again because she was really down and And you are so right, Alison, because I'm at that age is close to retired. And I always told Cookie, what am I going to do when I get retired? Because I, I work all my life, work, work, work. That's my life. I'd say, once I retired, what am I going to do? You know, all day, what am I going to do? So that question you said, it's so right that this is my choice, probably my choice to, you know, dive in every day, you know, do some good benefit for, you know, all inter and that might occupy my whole day, you know. But yes, retirement is something that you need to think what you are going to do because it's hard. I know it's hard for me to think retirement because only reason is I don't know what to do when I get retired. But you know what, Pinky, I kudos to you that you're already starting that process of thinking about it because there are many people that just retire and then don't have they've never even thought of what to do so right. you're prepping for it which is great and then so what you're going to do when you retire is you're going to call our <laughs> call office, your office soon. and we're going to help me, you i'm going to call your office soon yeah i don't have to wait for retirement <laughs> believe me if i find some purpose right and i, I can retire tomorrow but that's the really hard yes. point and the cookie can agree with me every time we talk about retirement that's my question to her what am i going to do when i retire so To add what you're saying, Allison, I've always volunteered working in addition to a full-time job and being a single mother and going to school part-time, but I always felt as though I needed not to be so self-absorbed. In other words, when you're not, I don't know, when you're striving to do something or be something, it was just always good for me to be doing something that I wasn't going to be paid for, that I wasn't getting compensated for. So you've touched on so many valuable points to the listening audience about how important and how beneficial volunteering can be, whether you're 22 or 102, but we'll focus on the 55 and older. And I think this is going to be a very enlightening podcast for them. I agree. Yes, thank you. Yes, the list goes on and on of the with the benefits of volunteering, and then and then the ways you can get involved. And we didn't even just touch on socially. Sure. If you think yeah. about volunteering and introduce you to a new diverse group of people, we had a volunteer at uh, when I where I used to work, and she lived alone, and so her only outlet was coming out to volunteer. And so she made befriended the other volunteers and and us as well and the staff and. If she wasn't in one week and we hadn't heard from her, we knew something was up. So we would call her and it was like a security network, whether she thought of it or or not. It was a way for us to, for someone who was isolated, for us to keep tabs on her just to make sure she was okay. So that's certainly, and just socially all around, meeting people introduces us to new things. And that's important as well for the go back with the stimulation of our brain. And that's this synergistic effect where 
one benefit leads to another benefit, which leads to another benefit. If you have a purpose, you're getting up and moving. And when you're getting up and moving, you're meeting people. And when you're meeting people, you're social, you're, it's a protective factor mm-hmm. against depression. So it's this, again, win-win situation with volunteerism. Now, what about, Allison, in terms of the diversity of society today, with respect to ethnicity and in that 55 and older population, do you find that it's difficult to reach and get certain volunteers? Or do you find there is an abundance of people within certain ethnicities that could benefit more? For receiving services or doing volunteer volunteer work? work? Actually, a little bit of both. So I don't know. I don't know about the receiving services end of it for data wise. I don't, but I can tell you for volunteer wise, what our data shows is that of our 600 volunteers, it's predominantly white female mid 70s that are volunteering. And I mean, that's just a snapshot in our program, but I have a feeling it's a larger reflection of Mm. the county's population as well. When you look at it on our end, that's where we need to do more outreach in the community mm-hmm. to get our word out about our program. And that's whether it be contacting specific groups or like we're doing today, this is a podcast that can reach many audiences. So hopefully someone would hear it and want us to come out and speak to their group, church group, uh, association, whatever they're involved And this podcast with. does reach so. everybody that has an iPhone or a phone that has podcasts. But I would suspect that most of our listener audience, since we are so new, is in the Maryland area because that's where most of our contacts have been so far. And we're also trying to reach out to, you know, individuals with disabilities as well, because there are opportunities. We do have a volunteer. um, She has not returned since COVID, but she was legally blind and offering massage services because she's a certified uh, massage therapist um, with hospice. There's opportunities there. And then there's for people who may have physical limitations, some of our opportunities involve, you know, sitting, answering phones and and can accommodate special accommodations there. I have a question, uh, Allison, for you. How can someone get involved in voluntary beside calling you? Is there website we go and fill out the form that we want to volunteer or how we go about that? The best way is probably to email us at volunteers at baltimorecountymd.gov. And what we can do is we'll send you a list of our 31 agency partners and then set up a time to talk with you. There's no obligation coming to talk with us just to get feelers out to see what we offer. We do that all the time and we have volunteers, people who may not follow through on it, but it's just a general inquiry. And we have people who meet with us and then say, you know, I'll circle back down the road. Timing's not right, but I just want to do a general. And if you want to send me any information, I'll put it on our website for our listeners to take a look at that. Okay. Perfect. Okay, so let's take a break and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. This is the part of our podcast where we will review any feedback or questions received and give you some resources if you need to continue your research. You can contact us at seniors at seniorscast.com. We thought we would add a few medical terms and abbreviation at what I mean each week. So these are this week's abbreviation. CBC, complete blood count. 
CHF, congested heart failure. CNS, central nervous system. Last time we say ECG is um, electrocardiogram, but also EKG also consider electrocardiogram. IV intervenous, IVP intervenous program. Benign, not cancerous, malignant is cancerous. And some of the resources that I found in doing some research to assist you with volunteering, Red Cross is a great place to look up for volunteers, and that's all across the country. In Maryland, hopkinsmedicine.org has a lot of volunteer opportunities. As Allison said, AmeriCorps.gov. And she also said you could email her at volunteers at baltimorecounty.gov to get some more information. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes and on the website so that um, you can visit there to get some of the details. Anything else you wanted to add to that? I wanted to thank you all for giving me the opportunity to spotlight RSVP. This is an important program in the community, and we're always looking for ways to get the word out. So I thank you and applaud you for all the voluntary work you do and for the support you you offer to to all the volunteers out there. And thank you for well, the you're work you're so you very do. welcome. So in ending this episode, we would certainly like to thank you again, Allison, for coming on, sharing information about the RSVP program. We know that it will really provoke others to try to do some things that will bring them some satisfaction, some inner joy. So your information has been more than valuable. We can't thank you enough. We like to end on a light note, so we will have a bit of humor from Pinky's Corner. Okay, here we go. Oh, you are old enough to remember when Mojis was called hieroglyphics. (laughs) So, okay, this is our show for today. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Please subscribe to our upcoming episodes. We will be releasing new episodes every other Tuesday morning. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future topics, visit our website at www.seniorscast.com. You can email us at seniors at seniorscast.com. If you'd like to help us, the best thing is to give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, I'm Pinky Cookie. And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.